Hey guys, welcome to Rach Talk, my weekly show where I sit, in this case, in a hotel room, drink caffeine, and talk about random things. Today, I am introducing you to Walker County, my new riding buddies, an incredible band out of Nashville. We are hanging out in Nashville. We're talking about thieves. We're talking about flirting. We're talking about my relationship. We're talking about... I can't remember what else we're talking about, but it's gonna be funny. You should totally hang out. Welcome to Nashville, guys. Have we ever, we must have shot at some point a Rage Talk on location, but I can't remember it. I've shot a Rage Talk like by myself with a random camera. Do you remember that time I was in a really cold place in the middle of winter? It's gotta be like our first season of Rage Talk. I was doing my audiobook. it was January in Michigan course there was Michigan of course there was a biker gang I am in Nashville I've had Jack come out to shoot with me because I just thought it'd be really cool to like mix it up shake it up do the thing and because I'm in Nashville making music I could pull in some fun guests which you're gonna see a little bit later to you know make Rage Talk a little bit more exciting also I am this shirt I love, but like I'm, I there's sweat here, and so I'm. This is why I'm doing this. I was trying not to go like this. It's also the same reason. If you've ever wondered, I don't know why you would, but if you've ever wondered why I always wear jackets on stage, it's because. Also, how do you whistle? This is how I whistle. I know, I know. My older siblings used to say I looked like a rat, which was rude. <laughs> but probably accurate. I don't know how people whistle like this. Like with your lips pursed, I only know this. Rat. We were in Nashville last week. Jack, if you'll recall. Jack came here. Last week I was here. I was shooting a podcast. Jack came out. And can we just tell this story? It's the most Jack story I ever in my life. I asked Jack, I said, hey, are you available to come to Nashville to shoot this podcast. And he's like, yes, of course I am. I'm thinking, let's knock out some Rage Talks while you're here. Let's get an on location moment. So I sent a note to the team. I said, hey, when does Jack land in Nashville so that we can shoot these Rage Talks? They said, oh, he's driving. He's driving from Austin, Texas to Nashville, Tennessee. Why? Cause he thought he was supposed to? Cause he likes a road trip? Cause he wants to drive for 12 hours straight? Did you think I wouldn't fly you here or you just wanted to drive? Wanted. Okay, okay. Cause the way I heard it was, oh, he didn't know. And so he's like, and I was like, what kind of monster makes someone drive their own vehicle across state lines? It was so crazy. But we did get, we did, we did a podcast that was so amazing and I am really, really pumped for you guys to get to see it. It comes out soon. There's gonna be a whole theme. Y'all, if you don't like music, you know, there, get ready. Cause it's gonna be a big part of the stuff that we're working on. So it's gonna weave its way in. But got to sit down with an incredible songwriter, like a really, like one of the, greats and talk about songwriting so i'm really excited but because jack drove we didn't quite have enough time on the ground last week so he came back out he flew 
don't worry, he flew this time and we're here and we're doing this thing. And I got, I got a list, Jack. I got a list of things to talk about. Buckle up. Okay. <laughs> I love that I have this note on my phone for Rage Talk Conversations and this is in caps. That's how serious I am about it. In Cali, if you wanna get your car washed, you go to a place, you get out of your car and someone takes your car through and then people like clean it all and whatever and here's your car. In Texas, to my not, I don't even know where that would be. You don't get out of the car and nobody's cleaning inside your car. There's drive-through car washes, okay? Have you been to a drive-through car wash? Yeah, drive-through car washes and some are like at the gas station, you sort of just put in your info and then some are like, this is a legit, this is, we're committed to this, right? This is a business. And there's like college kids who are like scrubbing the car before it goes through the long tunnel with the whirring and the woo and the shh and the and all of it, okay? When I go to the car wash, you go up to the screen and it says like, do you want the basic, basically like, do you want tall, venti or, you know, grande or whatever? Like what level of car wash do you want? I get 20 bucks that I do my car so rarely that I wanna like treat her. Here's my question. How does the car wash tunnel know that my car got the $20 wash? Whoa. I want you to imagine a line. So you go to this thing, it's like three banks, right? And then they all merge into one. And then you go into the tunnel. You're telling me that this car wash has the technology to know that I picked the $20 one and Jack picked the $12 one. No, it's all the same car wash. I feel convinced it is all the same car wash. How does it know? So what it says in my notes is, does the drive-through car wash really know the difference? You know when I wrote that note? When I was going through the car wash. Here's my next question. These are, these are just questions. These are just the things that I ponder, okay? How do thieves, I literally wrote down the word thieves. How do thieves not steal all the to-go lunches at restaurants? Okay, so like when COVID happened, it got really popular to get, you know, takeout or DoorDash or whatever. So if you go into restaurants in Austin that are popular, there's all of these like um, shelves and the shelves have like a bag that says Jack, a bag that says Rachel, a bag that says Joe, whatever. Y'all, we could be eating like kings for free. Like I just, in my notes, I said, imagine you put on a different disguise. You know, you have like your Carmen San Diego hat and like, you know, a fake mustache and you go in and you're like, nobody's policing that. You literally go up to the shelf and you're like, now you're taking a gamble about what's in that bag, but you could just look for a bag that has like heavier stuff. Also sometimes, back in the day when I used to eat um, drive-through food, it happened very rarely, but every once in a while you get something that someone else ordered and it was a delight you like ordered the salad and then you accidentally got like someone's burger and you were like, God, I didn't actually want the salad. I wanted the burger. But what I'm saying is how do thieves not take all the lunches? How is this not like an issue? Uh, I've never, have you stolen something before? Besides people's hearts? I have never stolen anything in my whole life, ever, ever. I have the fear of God about stealing. I'm not lying. I really am like afraid of it. 
when I went to the mall for the very first time at like 13 years old, went to the East Hills Mall, it was the thing to do. My dad dropped us off. It was me and like two friends and my dad turned around in the back seat and he said, if you ever steal anything, I will help them prosecute you. See you later. And we wonder why I've had years of therapy. And he was serious. All of us kids, my siblings, like none of us under like, you could hold us at gunpoint, we wouldn't steal anything because he gave that speech to all of us, so it works. But I still to this day, I've not, I have driven back to a store in Los Angeles, parked, which is like, takes an hour and a half, just because I accidentally got something. I really, I got home and realized like, oh my gosh, I didn't pay for this thing. It was like, I know specifically, I remember, I was buying trash cans at Target in LA, and I was also getting a collar for my dog, and it like ended up in the stack, so I didn't see it, and when they scanned it, they scanned the three trash cans, but not the collar that was inside. That collar was probably $8. I spent uh, over an hour getting it back to the store, took it inside, and paid for it. I am honest. I do not steal, ever, ever, ever. But I feel like there's an opportunity with the free lunch, guys. I wouldn't, I'd start crying. I'd get caught. I would 100% get caught. I'd like, my boo tells me this all the time, like anywhere we wanna go, anything we wanna do, I make him ask because um, one, he's beautiful. Two, he has a beautiful accent and people give him anything, anything. He's like, no, it's not true. I'm like, yes it is. I will go ask that hostess for a seat and they'll be like, no. Do you have a reservation? I'm like, no. They're like, get the out of here. They don't say that. Bleep that out. He walks in, he's like, hello. And they're like, what What can we do? Where can we put, what do you need? So I make him do it. But I'm pretty sure that I go to any situation like that assuming I'm already in trouble. I understand I'm manifesting this, but I'm like, you don't like, oh my, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to bother you. You don't, you definitely don't have a seat for us, right? I'm just like confirming that you don't have a seat for us. Yeah. Where were we? Where were we? Somewhere recently that he like made me do it because he thinks I'm ridiculous. And then I just absolutely screwed it up. And he was like, what? Why? I, I think I was like trying to park somewhere or do something. And I was like, hi, is it okay? It's like, I, we're not going to the thing, but is it okay if we just, it's only going to be, and the guy was like, no. And, and the, we drove away and Boo was like, you're, you're the literal, why would you tell them? Why would you give them? I'm like, I don't wanna get in trouble. So anyway. Okay, can we talk about the animals, the monsters, the people who do not clear notifications on their phone? What is wrong with you? Who hurt you? Do you know what I'm talking about when, like, look. Okay, so right now on my phone, I have three emails and two texts. This is stressing me, stressing, okay? The second that I'm not talking to y'all, these are getting cleared. Like, I cannot have those little, have you ever seen someone that has like 
1,297 unread emails, a million unread text messages. They've got, and it's like all over their screen. They're like, red, 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 red. Does your weird not iPhone have notifications? You have notifications, of course you do. That actually seems really on brand for you. What kind of phone do you have? Carrier Pigeon? I would light my phone on fire. I would throw it down a hill. I would, I, that would, how do you know what you need to do if, it, if you, how? And I do do this thing where if I need to respond to something, I'll not open it because I know I need to go back in. Like, let's see what's happening on tech. Oh, it's from my boo. He's telling me he loves me. See, that was worth it, but also, I get a dopamine hit because now I don't have any notifications there. Let's see what's going on in email. Apparently, at some point in life, I signed up for emails to tell me if there was ever a liquor store for sale in Austin, Texas, and I just got a notification there is one. You know why? Because I did, pre-pandemic, ask this question to my financial person. I was like, what are the businesses that can survive anything? And they were like, gas stations, liquor stores, da 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 And so I like just started looking at all these different things because I was like, well, maybe I'm, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna add to the problem. But it would be kind of fun. I have like, I, I sometimes think I might at some point in my life open a coffee shop, open a bookstore, open a whoosie wetsie, open a gas station, and just like work there. And you'll come in to get gas, and then I'll be like, hi, pump seven? Like just what a life. I don't have to like be on for camera anymore. I don't have to wear like Little House on the Prairie shirts. I don't have to try and do my makeup and fail miserably, clearly. I don't, you know, I just have to help you get your gas or like make you the perfect cortado, which I feel like I can definitely do. But then I wouldn't have time to write, so. Oh, I forget we have Walker County coming in. I can't talk as much because we actually have guests today. What a terrible entrance for them, by the way. Like me talking about people stealing lunches. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? They knew. They knew what they were gonna, look, oh, look. I cleared it and I already have two more. Oh, it's them. Aw, cuties. Oh, we are cute, okay. ever had guests that I was not related to on this podcast. I don't think we've ever done it on Rage Talk. You might be the first. Really? On really? two levels. Like family? Only like my kids, to be honest We're with honored. you. Or like, you? well, I guess people we work with have been here too. I've never had you know, newbies. And I've also definitely never had a performance. So I feel a little oh. bit like we're doing a late night special. Well, now we're part of the family. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're yes, I'm adopting now. you guys. I didn't tell you, but. <laughs> we're sisters, so it works. Right, perfect. <laughs> I would love it if you would introduce yourselves yes. and tell your story because it's really interesting. It yeah, is. It's, you a, start, it's a fun, long story. I am Sophie Dawn Walker. Yes, and I'm her big sister, Ivy Dean Walker. The fact yeah. that y'all are putting in middle names is the no. most Southern <laughs> I have ever seen the most southern stuff I have ever seen. Yeah, I'm mom always cut. says she named us to be country singers. Yes, Ivy Dean and Sophie Dawn. I Sophie Dawn. It. it just I works. <laughs> you can kind yeah, of start being uh, good at telling it. Yeah, we started playing music together now for 14 years. We started in 2007 when Sophie was nine and I was 12. Mm -hmm. So we've been playing music together for a super long time. Um, we actually went on. We are from Indiana. Went on a family vacation mm -hmm. to Nashville in 2007 um, with our mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And we grew up 
loving music, just being obsessed with music. My dad was a huge influence all growing up in music. So when we came to Nashville, he was like, let's treat perform just to say we did it. Just open the the guitar case on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Of course, we'd seen that in movies and all that. So here (laughs) little kids were like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it. Yeah. For like 10 minutes. We made like four dollars in ten minutes. We What'd played you like sing? oh, literally I just old you, bluegrass stuff. Oh. I think you sang like I fall to pieces. So, wow. Yeah, so like old traditional good, country, like traditional stuff. Yeah, that's so but, cute. So we did. We sang for about ten minutes, and Sophie kicked me, and so Dad would like close the guitar case. Was like we're done. <laughs> well, had a little fight. I you mean, were nine, changed. right? He was you were nine. Little. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up going back to the hotel, and um. And dad was like, you know, you made like four bucks or whatever in 10 minutes. And he was like, if you want, we'll come back down in a month and do that again. But like have a a lot more songs. And so we were like, okay. He was like, and whatever we make, you guys can keep the money. And so Sophie and I, we learned about an hour's worth of songs and dad played guitar and we made like 200 bucks. So we mm-hmm. thought, I mean, we were rich. You were rich. We, we were, were rich. Holy We sold. were like, heck yes. Yeah, we were like, okay, we want to do this all the time. Yeah. Like, so much fun. I think we went to Opry Mills Mall. Um, I think I built, bought like a Build-A-Bear. Literally. Like, That's like what she bought. Get, you know? Like with her money. <laughs> like, ah. like, hey, I'm rich. I'm going to go to Build-A-Bear. Yes. Oh, yeah. So we ended up but. doing that and then coming back home to Indiana. Yeah. And I was like, if that's something you guys like, let's start playing here. And so we did for the first, you know, all through middle school all through high school Sophie and I played every weekend at churches fairs Mm -hmm. festivals weddings anywhere they listen (laughs) anywhere (laughs) we literally played anywhere yeah and honestly I feel like I love that you're telling that story because it's also not in the same way but when I was learning to be a speaker yeah I would speak at the opening of an envelope like if anyone would let me in the room I would stand up at people who I remember going to old folks homes I remember going to library oh nobody cared about what I was saying but that's the only way that you're going to get better and learn to perform in front of a crowd oh for sure I mean, we got paid in barbecue sandwiches for the first <laughs> eight honestly, years. Right, like, Rachel, legit. Like, we learned so much from that. Just oh, like yeah. how to entertain a crowd that is just not into it at <laughs> yeah. all, you know? And how just you like, be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep smiling yep. and keep playing yep. the music, you know? Even though they didn't care at all. But, but that is yeah. the lesson. It's mm-hmm. like you need that moment so that when you get to the bigger stage, yes. you're prepared for anything. Yeah. Exactly. And that's when, so we moved to Nashville eight years ago mm-hmm. um, and signed our deal with Warner Music Nashville and signed mm-hmm. our pub deal with Warner Chapel and just really started writing mm-hmm. and really immersing ourselves in the in the community and I mean we learned so much from there's so many talented songwriters yeah. here we just grew so much over that a period of time and now we're just really we're putting songs out and just hoping one of them sticks <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. and we play yeah. we still travel and play everywhere which is mm-hmm. so fun we love traveling and playing for fans and basically doing what we did when yeah. we were little winning them over trying dad to win them yeah. over. plays guitar and his tour manager and yep. does so cool. everything drives the van and everything yeah <laughs> he, yeah he's a man of many <laughs> trades but uh yeah we've just been putting a lot of music out and writing still and we're just trying to find our spot in right. the country music world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we got the chance to write together last week, but it was so cool. So every experience, and I know you guys get to do this all the time, but every experience writing with a new group of people yeah. is a whole new, you never mm-hmm. know, right? Like, no. so my first experience writing with a songwriter was so different than working with y'all, was so different yeah. than working mm-hmm. with who I work with yesterday. Like, it's different every time. Yeah. And that's a world that you've been in for a hot minute. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because, you know, songwriting is so vulnerable. So you're literally going into rooms. A lot, now sometimes we write with the same people, but like, if you're writing with somebody brand new, you it's have like to a, walk in and basically pour your heart out to like, them. It's kind of like a first date. <laughs> it like, is. Hi, and like, a therapy session. Yeah. 
Because you, know? you end up saying stuff like the song we ended up writing yesterday was based on something that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then he this and oh, then yeah. this. And these other women were like, OK, yeah, and what yeah, else? And how did that make you feel? <laughs> yeah. It's a therapy session. Yeah. It really is. I mean, there's been so many times where Sophie and I have like dealt with some kind of relationship thing or and, yeah. and we've literally gone into Shared a room with so two much. guys who know nothing about women in relationships. Right. And we're like, this happened to me. And then we did this. And then I felt horrible for doing this. And then he did that. And they're like, oh, okay. okay so we're yeah. going to write about it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that actually, what you just said was a great line. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, kind of yeah. But writing is but crazy. It's different with every person you yeah. go in the room with. You kind of have to feel feel, bit, mm-hmm. feel their vibe out. And uh but it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's addicting. It fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think um, it's really interesting, too. Um, every single room I'm going into, I'm learning something new. Yeah. And one of the things I loved, like I had this aha moment in the room with y'all mm-hmm. when we were first talking about this idea, which was yours. You're wearing a hat oh, yeah. that said the title. You were like, oh, we think this is a song. Yeah. Yes. And then we were sort of toying around and throwing out ideas. And there was a moment where I was like, oh, wait. Oh, you're singing it. Like yeah, it didn't, yeah. I, it, cause I'm not a singer. So it yeah. didn't make sense in my brain. Like, oh wait, we have to write something that you can actually sing and yeah. it be real. Yeah. In the beginning I was like, oh, maybe this is like a letter to my daughter. Like yes. I was thinking mm-hmm. about Noah and thinking like, oh, I could write this to her. And then I realized, well, if you yeah, beautiful 27 year old get on stage, you're 27, I'm 27 yeah. get on stage and start, people are gonna be like, yeah. what are you talking about? So then we flipped it mm-hmm. to being this like moment in the bar where the older woman Yes. Up, which was fun. Oh, that was it's fun. So good. That and was it's a fun. fun. Yeah, one it's to still write. like a letter to a younger girl, younger self. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is funny. That's something different. That, like, Especially if you're writing with as, an artist. As an artist. Yeah. 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 It's like we try and, you know, do something that we would do because obviously we want every song we write to be something we release. <laughs> well, it's funny you know? because when we were younger and we came to town, we just wrote about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Like we. It wasn't really from the heart. It was just like, this is a cool idea. And I remember writing songs about drinking beer, and I hadn't even had yeah, a beer We were like 16 yet. and I, we 19. We were like 16 and 19. Yeah. Like, right. And just, like very good girls. Yeah. Like never, no, so we yeah. never oh, were like, yeah. alcohol, no. Like, that's how we were. So we had never Not like, like lived that anymore, but live. We yeah. never had our hearts broken. No. You know? And that's one of the things, like, during, like, 2020, like, during the pandemic, I feel like, like, me and Ivy went through a lot. We lived we a did. lot of life in that year it was really I think weird, everybody but, did but yeah. honestly like after coming out of that I was like man like the stuff we're writing is actually like very authentic it's to us very authentic. and I was very yeah. exciting because I was like cool like, this yeah something there was a change because you start writing when you start writing for yourself you mm-hmm. sing it different yeah. you really do like um those mm-hmm. songs become like you can notice that like I'm relating to it on stage and it's really mm-hmm. coming from the heart when we sing it because yeah when you're just right when you sing in like a cover or sing in something mm-hmm. that um you know, you didn't write for yourself. It's fine, and and sometimes those songs blow up and do really well. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just nice when it's from the heart. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think when we speak our truth, other people see their story inside oh, of it. Oh, for sure. Because I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've loved a song and been like, oh, I love that song about X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then you hear the songwriter or you hear the performer explain what it means to them, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's not at all what I was taking <laughs> out of this conversation. I thought this was about like losing a love, and this was actually about you, you know, losing your mom. Yeah. yeah. Like if you oh, like yeah. right, like yeah. think about like Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. like. That song means so many different things depending on who's singing it and what it is to them. So it's been a really rad process. I'm super pumped that I got to, number one, meet you guys. Number two, create something that doesn't suck. (laughs) 
Yeah. You don't That's always know for sure when exactly. you're coming out. Well, like, how's it going to be? It was awesome for us to write with you because afterwards you gave us a total hype woman speech. It was the best thing ever. It was ever. so good. We needed Literally, that. <laughs> we left that right and stuff. He's like, like go. God heard our prayers this morning. We really needed that. We like, we, we were, did. you just were like, like and you don't even know. Like, we did say a prayer that morning. Like, Lord, we just need like a we little bit. Yeah. Something. We need and to know what to do. We yeah. just so happened to be riding with Rachel Holland. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, that was a. I was like, you cannot come into a room with me and have me not be like okay where You're is like, your vision board you yeah. what is what are you t- putting in your journal because it. it's real because i it i is. do think in life and in my career and all the things that i've done it's about how do you add value in mm-hmm. that space and coming into this i'm like okay i know that i can write because i'm mm-hmm. a writer but i haven't done what any of y'all have done mm-hmm. i can't play the guitar yet i can't sing ever i just i can't do those things but i was like what is the value that i bring to this space mm-hmm. beyond my ability to write because you could yeah. sit with anybody right anybody yeah. in this town who walks into warren chapel yes. can write with you but yeah. i was like there is something i can bring mm-hmm that nobody else can bring, which is like, I will life coach the out of this moment (laughs) to every, literally every person I've written with. I'm like, how's your heart? Yeah. (laughs) It's going on. And then, okay. And then what happened? Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's next? Where are we going from here? It's very refreshing to do that. Very nice. That was so great. (laughs) Good. I'm so glad. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us, being our guests, performing. Um, Oh wait, I should probably do an intro for it. Right, Jack? (laughs) <laughs> so we are so excited it's the first time ever on rage talk that we have a live performance of music this is walker county doing what did we call in this song i think we did bridges, bridges you burn bridges you burn bridges bridges you burn i don't know why i can't use <laughs> bridges. bridges you burn this is bridges you burn by walker county we wrote it together we hope you guys like it
Dawson and Prairie shirt, Jack? Yeah. So you know my whole thing is that um, I don't buy new clothes. So um, I went to the store downstairs and I bought it so that I would then return it. That was my idea. I just didn't have anything cute. All I have is like band tees and I didn't feel like that was like Rach talk cute. Clearly, look, I have my Vans on, Jack. I have my Vans on and I'm about to like go to the prairie. But I thought it was like cool and different and whatever. And then my whole plan was just to return it. Is that maybe rude? But like my whole thing, I don't want to buy new clothes. Um, but I sweat in it. I can't return it because I sweated in it. Which means I broke my own rule and I didn't mean to. I was thinking maybe I could like donate something. Maybe I could plant a tree. I feel really bad actually. But I just want to look cute. And if I was just wearing my like Nirvana shirt, which is pretty freaking cute. Weirdly, I never get hit on more in life ever than when I'm wearing that Nirvana shirt. What do you think that is? You know what I got today? I'm not sure if it's a pickup line, but I want to pretend that it is because I thought it was like kind of interesting. I was waiting for a table at breakfast this morning. I mean, looking like, can I tell you as a side note, I've just, I am wearing one right now. I basically just don't wear bras anymore. I am trying with everything in me to get away in life with wearing a bra as little as possible. And not in a cute like, oh, I'm 22 and I'm sexy, but like I'm 39 and I want to be comfortable. Legitimately this morning, I went down, I'm at a nice hotel, went down to breakfast, threw a jacket on over my pajama shirt, which was very thin. I was like, if this jacket were to be ripped from my person or like I did a, you know, a good morning stretch or something, people are gonna see things they don't wanna see. I was like on my phone and this guy walked by and he was like, are you from New Orleans? And I was like, no, I'm not. He said, oh, you look just like a girl in New Orleans. And I was like, I had nothing for him. I had no response to that. And I didn't know if he, if I really looked like a girl in New Orleans or if this was a line. You think it was a line? <gasps> what would I have said to make it? See, I don't have any game. And I'm not trying to have game. I'm very much in love. I'm taken. The next part is very important. They're going to take you. I, I genuinely shut down. Have I talked about this on the show? When guys try and talk to me, I shut down like a robot. I think I did. Did I tell you about getting on the plane and I got separated from Boo? I didn't tell this story? Okay, so this is so dumb. I'm getting on a plane and Boo and I were flying together. I don't remember where, but he ended up, someone got in front of, and so he was like two people behind or maybe one person behind. And the guy behind me, I have no game. And when I think a man is actually flirting, I am so uncomfortable, I don't know what to do. Because I never went out, I never like had bar life, I never, I didn't do those things. So I have this bag, this tote bag, that the front of it looks like a, it's like a, almost like a face. This guy behind me is like, ooh, why is your bag so angry? I shut, I was like, like, I was like, um, I, well, sh well uh, I, I, I don't know. And behind me, my boyfriend is behind this guy and he's like legitimately crying. He's, cause he's watching this guy try and flirt with me and watching me not even, he was like, the guy, I like got to my seat and then like the guy carried on and Boo sat next to me and he's just like, 
that was the most precious and also most embarrassing thing I have ever seen. I was like, this is why, like if you were ever worried that I was gonna go out in the world and like flirt, you just saw, I can't, I have nothing. And there must've been something going on with my pheromones that day because legitimately like five minutes later, you know, people are getting on the plane, booze in the window, but he was like working on something and then I'm in the aisle seat cause I have to pee like 80 times on a flight. So I just always take the aisle. And a guy stops Jack next to me to talk to me. I was like, what is going? Am I wearing my Nirvana shirt? Like what is happening right now? It had to be my heart. Like pheromones had to be pumping. Cause I was like, I do not know what about me right now is doing it for these men, but okay. And a guy stopped and like started chatting me up in the seat. And this time I was bound and determined to like do it right, because now I know Boo's paying attention, and this is twice that a man's flirted with me in front of him in less than 10 minutes. You know, I'm like trying to be like, okay, but also I'm desirable. <laughs> this guy is like, he starts chatting me up, and it was when we still wore masks on planes, and he's like, oh, your mask is better than mine. And I was like, First of all, it was the dumbest like way to talk to somebody, but I'm like, at this point, I'm about to make this the greatest exchange ever because Boo's watching. He's like, keeps talking, like past the point where I'm like, we've said all we came to say today, sir. I've proved a point to my boyfriend. And the guy was like, but it's pretty annoying when like dudes come up and like try and talk to you at your seat. And I was like, yeah, it is. Again, I don't have game and I was just like, please, please stop. It was all big mess. It was big mess. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. If you dug this episode, if you're still here, will you give this a thumbs up? Will you subscribe to the channel so you get a notification every single time we post a new episode? If you're listening to this on pod, subscribe to that channel too. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, I love you. And I'm rooting for you. Hey guys, this is Rachel Hollis and a quick word on anger. Okay, so I'm reading this book right now, which is nothing new. I'm always reading a book. And I had this sort of mind explosion epiphany moment as it was talking about the emotions that we have under the surface. What are the things that you don't want anyone to know? What are the things that you try and cover up or you try and put on a happy face so that people don't know that you are feeling depressed or that you're anxious or in my case, that you're angry? I've never even said that out loud before. And I don't think that I really made that connection until this moment, this moment when I was reading a book and it asked, okay, what do you struggle with most? And what I thought was anxiety, was, you know, feelings of fear that anxiety caused and what's going to happen. But when I dug a little deeper, which none of us love to do, but is very important, when I dug a little deeper, what was under there was anger. And I realized that the anger goes all the way back to when I was a little girl. I have said to my friends many times or to my boyfriend many times that one of the things that 
I just can't stand it. Just it takes me from zero to a thousand in one second flat is feeling like someone's getting away with it. And you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes. And I don't even know if this will make sense to you, but I think it goes back to growing up in a really conservative, very oppressive church environment where a lot of the elders of the church or like sort of the the people in the church who were grown-ups were saying one thing and doing another. They were living life in a way that didn't match the values that they were putting on other people and they were super judgmental. They were basically those people living in a glass house throwing stones, but they got away with it. And so as I got older, I realized I have this thing like when I feel like someone is a bad person, but they're getting away with it. Or I feel like someone's sleazy, but they're getting away. It's like a, oh, it just makes my blood boil. And I know it's a really weird thing and a very honest piece of information to tell you, but it's also why, you know, I've had people that I've admired so much and that I'm so excited to get to meet them or get to work with them or collaborate. And then when I see behind the scenes and they're actually not a good person, I stop. I mean, you've probably, if you've been with me for a long time, you probably identify times where you're like, wow, she was really doing a lot of stuff with this person. And then all of a sudden she's just not, she never talks about them anymore. It's because I didn't like what I was seeing behind the scenes because I feel like then that person is sort of putting out a false sense of, you know, they're full of it. Like, I am super imperfect. I mess up all the time. I mess up publicly. Like I, but I own it. I never try and say that I am not that person. And it just drives me, oh, my skin crawls when I feel like someone portraying themselves as a person they're not. All of that to say, I have anger about that. And whenever I see it happen, and that means that I have anger still in there for my parents, if I think about it. And I have a lot of anger for my ex-husband and I try and work on those things. But if I'm honest, I realized when I was reading this book, I'm like, I don't try and like exercise those demons. I don't try and get them out of me. I just try and repress them. I really try and, you know, do a gratitude practice, focus on the positive, do things to like feel better, but I'm not really getting them out. It's almost like finding out that you have a cancer in you, but you just think like, I'll just, you know, cover up this piece of myself with something else. So I had this like huge epiphany moment. It was like my mind was blowing. I was like, oh, wow, what a gift for me to understand this. I'm going to learn about, you know, this is how I do things. Whenever I figure out, oh, my hormones or oh, my this, I take a deep dive. So I'm going to read the books and I'm going to really learn about it. But I was like, I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to God, to whoever was listening. I was like, I am going to actively work on getting this out of my body, getting this out of my spirit, getting this out of my soul. I've never thought that before because I'm the happiest person. I'm the most positive. When I say that I have anger, it's like it'll come on me out of nowhere. And so if that's in there, you know, if there's a little volcano ready to go off, that's really important for me to know. And I've got to do the work to sort of unpack it and get rid of it. I say that in case you have anger or in case you have a negative emotion, a sort of suffering emotion that you know is festering inside of you, but you're not really doing anything to get rid of it. 
So I make this decision. I'm like, okay, the only way I know how to take on something like this is just to learn as much as I can. But I make a promise to myself that I'm going to, you know, get rid of this thing inside of me. And I happen to be on a flight. Uh, when I had this realization, I land at the airport and the whole way to the hotel, I'm thinking about this, you know, promise I've just made to myself. I get to the hotel. They're like, oh, your room's already ready. What a treat. Thank you so much. I go drop off my bags and I haven't eaten. I'm starving. So I go down to the hotel restaurant to grab some food. And it's a hotel I stay at often. So I know the workers. I know the girls that work at the hostess stand. Um, So I'm walking in. And as I walk in, I see a man standing at the hostess stand, irate, just going off on these young women who I have interacted with so many times. They're so sweet. And he's just going off. And I'm like, what on earth could be what could this be? Like, I'm far away, but I'm like, I know these girls. They don't, they would never say or do something. They're so polite. Like, what could this man be pissed off about? And I get up closer and he's chewing them out because his food is taking too long. And number one, I'm just like flabbergasted because these hostess have literally nothing to do with your food. And I guess he had come up to them asking to speak to the manager. But while he was waiting for the manager, he was going to go ahead and just let these girls who had nothing to do with it know how pissed off he was. And I just thought this was the most amazing thing, not for them. They were okay. It all ended up working out. But I was like, I am so grateful that the universe just showed me the worst of the emotion that I just committed to getting rid of the worst of it. And I want you to understand, I'm not trying to say that I'm going to go through the rest of my life and not have moments that are angry. Of course I will. What I'm talking about is the ghost of an emotion, right? The anger that I feel inside of me has nothing to do with what's happening in my present moment. The anger that I feel inside of me is about things that have happened in the past. So things that have happened in the past that I keep bringing up over and over and over. And in this moment, I walk into the restaurant and I get to see this guy freaking being the worst of what, and I was just like, oh yeah, this is what it looks like. And I don't ever, I would never take my anger out on other people, but I'm like looking at this, I'm like, yep, this is what it is. This is this gross thing. He's hurting the people around him. He's embarrassing his wife because I saw her at the table like, oh my gosh, he's embarrassing himself because as we were standing there, I watched him like, you know, people who have anger, it's like a teapot. Once the water sort of boils and steams over, they've calmed down and I watch him calm down. He's just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like I shouldn't take this out on you. This has nothing to do with you guys. I'm just really frustrated. And I thought of that great quote by Wayne Dyer where he says, you never squeeze an orange and have lemon juice come out. Whatever is inside of you will come out when you are under pressure, when you are squeezed. So this man had anger inside of him and he's just looking for an opportunity. He's just looking for something like traffic or the food being late to find a way to express that bitterness that's inside of him. So dang, I thought that was good. And I was so grateful for the whole experience. And I was like, I have to tell the listeners about this. Because maybe your thing is an anger. Maybe it's something else. But if you have an emotion inside of you that puts you into a suffering state, 
it's not going to go away. It doesn't matter how good your life is, how blessed you are, how much gratitude you practice. If those things are still clinging to the inside of you, they're going to stay there and you're going to have to do the work to get them out. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.